Hello mamas, Laura here and today we are chatting about the importance of laboring at home and how to best stimulate your oxytocin hormone. Enjoy! Hey mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes, it's time for you to guide you through, let's take some time for you, it's pregnancy with Hello mamas and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today we are kicking off the Ask the Midwife series, diving into the importance of laboring at home for as long as you can and how we can boost the labor hormone oxytocin. We'll discuss why zero to four centimeters of dilation is often the longest part of labor, why it's important to keep the oxytocin hormone flowing and how you can best do that, and tips to help you manage the dreaded car ride to the hospital. Now, this is episode one of a six-part Ask the Midwife series with the amazing Beth Ryan. Beth is a midwife and childbirth educator who works primarily in the public hospital system. Beth is passionate about helping mums have an empowering and positive birth, however that may look for them, and she is welcoming and inclusive of all women's births and postpartum experiences, and I personally want to hire her to be in my birth team. <laughs> now, she provides really sensible information for new mummers over on her incredible Instagram account, at birthwithbeth, so I definitely recommend you go and check her out. There is so much amazing content coming up in this Ask the Midwife series. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. In this Ask the Midwife series, we'll be covering how to create a beautiful oxytocic environment within the hospital setting, questions to ask your care provider to make sure you are fully informed, how to respectfully navigate birth interventions that may be presented to you, the things to consider when setting up a postpartum support plan and the practical steps you should try and take to make sure you're not overwhelmed after birth, questions to ask and preferences to know about when it comes to C-section birth, inductions, vaginal examinations and the pros and cons of both and so much more. Now we also have a bonus episode exclusively available to members inside the Pregnancy Posse where Beth gives us her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing a posterior labor and the lowdown on epidurals. Now this entire podcast series and all our other podcast series, along with our exclusive member only bonus podcast content is all live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So if you'd love to access all the bonus content and listen to or watch this entire podcast series right now, rather than waiting for future episodes to be released, then come and check out the Pregnancy Posse. I have taken my years of experience helping pregnant and postnatal women as a women's health physiotherapist and made this accessible to every wonderful woman online inside the Pregnancy Posse. So when you join the Pregnancy Posse, I will personally guide you week by week throughout your pregnancy with safe weekly workouts tailored to your exact week of pregnancy. I also do a weekly Q&A session where I answer all of the questions from our amazing Posse members. And there is also a lovely community forum where Posse members all support each other, along with an extensive resources library, which will help you avoid that dreaded Google rabbit hole. Now, I would love to help you have a healthy, active, pain-free pregnancy. So just head over to thepregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. Now, let's get into episode one of our six-part Ask the Midwife series. You are going to love today's chat with Beth and her overall vibe. I think you're going to learn a lot about the importance of oxytocin and laboring at home. Enjoy! Enjoy! 
Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Beth. As we we're talking about off air, I'm a huge fan. I have a massive girl crush on you right now. I just think that what you're doing in the midwifery space is super informative. And I think you have a really wonderful way of teaching that and translating your message and your knowledge and all your evidence-based research to a pregnant woman without them feeling shamed or judged or like they're doing the wrong thing. So I just love how welcoming and friendly you are. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a lovely intro. (laughs) I'm actually going to read something that you've written on your Instagram before, because I think this will give the listeners a really good summary of what you're about and what your ethos is. So you're probably a bit nervous because I haven't prepped you on what I'm going to (laughs) read. A tiny bit. (laughs) So Beth wrote an Instagram caption, which just really resonated with me. So she said, so if you're planning a home birth, welcome. If you gave birth in a hospital, welcome. If you thought your birth was wonderful, welcome. If you're processing birth trauma, welcome. If you have a C-section booked, welcome. Bottle feeding, welcome. Breastfeeding your one-year-old with no plan to stop, welcome. And I know that, you know, like we all know People are accepting of these things and whatnot. But just the way you said that, I was like, yes, like I so resonate with that. I just think you just hold space for everyone to be like, you know what? Everyone is welcome. There is no right or wrong. Like everybody's experience is valid. And I just love that. So thank you for writing that. That really struck a chord with me. And I think that will give the listeners a really good understanding before we get started of, oh, yeah, I want to listen to this lady. (laughs) Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. So let's kick it off with labour at home. So we're going to be talking today about birthing in the hospital and how we can create a really nice hospital environment and navigate the hospital system because you're a midwife working in the hospital. So you have really good understanding of that system. But let's talk about labouring at home and the role of oxytocin. So can you explain to us, first of all, what oxytocin is and the benefits of staying home, if you can, as long as possible? Oxytocin is one of the hormones that are um, responsible for helping your your uterus contract and and your labour to commence and continue. Um, And we know that oxytocin ultimately flows better when you're feeling safe and when you're not feeling observed and when you're not experiencing that surge of adrenaline that causes that sort of like fight, flight or freeze reflex. Um, And so... At home, you're in an environment where, you know, you're surrounded by familiar um, things like your bedroom, your kitchen, your own bathroom. You're in a space where you've got familiar smells, familiar sights. You can jump into your own bed. You can get into your own shower, all of that kind of stuff. So that does help a lot with letting our oxytocin to flow. And I guess the purpose of staying at home is to get your oxytocin to a level that allows your contractions to get into a really rhythmic place because when your contractions are rhythmic and when they're intense and I think we we um we always hesitate to say that they're going to be painful and strong because we lots of people feel like that's a bad thing but in the context of labor that intensity and that strength is what's going to change your cervix and so you know if the end goal is is your baby coming earthside, then we need to, to move your cervix out of the way. So I guess there's real benefits to staying at home in that it allows your oxytocin to get to that level where you would get into a rhythmic pattern, which is what we would call um, active labour or established labour. Particularly if it's your first bub and you might have experienced this, I don't know, Laura, or you've had friends, but 
lots of people get a few contraction like pains or tightenings and they think okay great it's all starting I better pack my car up and get to the hospital and then by the time you get there you know maybe they've dropped off or maybe they're still hanging around but your cervix might not be really ready to open yet or it might only be a couple of centimeters open that's a really really common scenario if people don't know that it's okay to stay at home and what's happened in that scenario is that your oxytocin has tried it's started to creep up you've jumped in the car you've had a big shot of adrenaline which is going to stop your oxytocin just by you know you might not be feeling it but just by getting in the car driving down your street coming into a hospital, meeting someone strange like me, bright lights are on, all of that stuff tells your body like, oh, I might just pull back on the oxytocin a little bit and, and suss out whether this is a safe place to meet my baby. So that's one aspect of it is just trying to get your oxytocin flowing to a good level. I think another really, really important aspect, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, I think, later, but the reality is, is that once you come to hospital, you're you're more or less on a timeline. And that's simply because, like I said, especially if it's your first baby, early labor can last a couple of days and that's okay. It can stop and it can start and all of that kind of thing. Hospitals are not built to house people for days and days, just kind of sitting around on birth balls and going to sleep for a couple of hours and then it picks up again. So once you join us in hospital, we kind of need that that room to be used for someone who's in active labour and requiring, you know, one-to-one midwifery care. So if you're at hospital and you're in early labour and you're saying to the midwives, like, look, I don't want to go home. I've, I've been there. I've done that. I'm feeling really, you know, unsure. I want to stay here. They're going to say to you, well, look, we need to get things moving. And that is when you kind of open yourself up to unnecessary intervention because your body's kind of doing its own thing, but we're going to start, fiddling around and say, well, you know, maybe we need to use an oxytocin drip or maybe we need to break your waters for you. And so I think just knowing that you're safe at home, that it's okay to stay at home, that you've probably got a number of hours ahead of you. It's not like the movies where your waters break and you've got about 10 minutes flat to get to the hospital in the back of a taxi and it's all really (laughs) exciting. (laughs) You know, the reality is, is that it might be labour starting. It might not be. And if you're at home, that pressure is off. You can take each hour as it comes. Whereas if you're in the hospital, there's a really, really good chance that um, someone's going to say to you, look, you're not really, you know, you're not really quite in labour yet. I think that since you're here, we need to kind of do something with you and, and, and have your baby. And for some people, that's okay. And that's that's what they need and that's what they're ready for. But for a lot of people, that's where we see that trap of kind of snowballing into a whole bunch of stuff that we didn't really need in the first place had we just taken our foot off the pedal, let things kind of play out for another day or so. Um, So that's, I guess, that really important part about staying at home. And I'm just thinking as you said that, like that's amazing information because I don't think a lot of first-time mums are told that. And like you said, Mm. it's this, oh, first contraction, I better go to the hospital because I'm going to have a baby in 10 minutes. So is there an average length of labour or like would you give someone like a, I know it's hard because everyone's different, but is there like an average that a woman can expect from first contraction to realistically when they might meet their baby? Look, um, it's a bit of a how long is a piece of string question. I would be I the wealthiest so. <laughs> midwife in the world. Um, but I think there's a, I guess there's a really big difference between um, 
early labour and active labour. So often you'll hear people say, you know, I was in labour for 45 hours or three days or, or whatever. And that's not to say that their experience wasn't really intense and, and definitely fatiguing, but what they have probably experienced is early labour, which is those kind of stop-start contractions that aren't really, really, really strong. They're like, I consider it a warm-up. I say, look, this is the warm-up to the main event. Once you're in active labour, and that's generally from about four centimetres onwards, I would say, I mean, look, the textbooks tell us women from four centimetres onwards should be dilating about a centimetre an hour. I That's nice to have in the back of your mind, but... I, Women are not robots. We've, we've got to take them off those, those really stringent timelines. But I would say you'll probably meet your baby within 8 to 12 hours from, from the 4 centimetre mark. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, like that sounds really long, feel really, really reassured that you are not going to be so often it takes the longest to get to four centimetres. And so that tedious early labour part where you're like, this is stopping and starting and I'm getting little snippets of sleep and I'm getting excited and then, you know, things are dribbling out and not happening again for another maybe five, six hours. That's okay. And use that time to really like rest and be gentle with your body and be like, okay, well, you know what, something is happening, but I'm not going to fatigue myself by running around freaking out that this baby is coming. I'm just going to slow down, save my energy and let my body slowly work up to that point where it's really getting into a good rhythm. And then I know from that point onwards, it's not going to be that much longer in comparison to the early labour part. So I think it's a little bit about managing expectations and headspace as well. I love that because again, I think a lot of women think first contraction means, okay, this is on. But like you said, that zero to four centimeters, that can be the longest part. Mm -hmm. And if you're bouncing on a fit ball vigorously, (laughs) first line of a contraction, you're going to be completely spent by the time you actually need to use your energy. So I love that expectation because it just helps all the first time mums listening right now to go, Ah, okay. Let's not get too <laughs> excited. Let's just, I remember a midwife actually said, um, ignore it until you can't. And I really like Absolutely. that because it's like, yeah. just put it off because when you're in active labor, you're going to know about it and you're not going to be yeah. able to ignore it. That's, yeah. that's such a good point because so many people say to me, well, Beth, how am I going to know? You know, I do education classes and it's like, how, I've never had a contraction. How am I going to know the difference? I'm like, look, there will come a point where you can't focus on anything else. Your partner will be talking to you and you'll be like, shh, like I cannot do anything other than put my head down, take some deep breaths and work through this. And that's a good thing. That means you're getting in the zone. But that tip about distraction and just ignoring it is so important because just emotionally and and mentally, you're going to get so fatigued thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in labor. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Or, oh my gosh, this is really challenging when you're probably better off like putting on a movie that you love or going for a gentle walk or just quietly finishing up a few things around the house that you'd intended to do. And then just tucking into bed, like get your hot water bottle out, lay on your side, close your eyes and just try and relax into it and lean into it. I love that. And what do you, as a midwife, what are you looking for? I imagine with all your years of experience that you can probably tell when a woman walks into the hospital <laughs> at what stage of labor they're in. And I know a lot of midwives, you'll hear them say they heard someone on the phone. They were like, you, you stay at home. You've got a while <laughs> versus get in the car, come and see yeah. me. So what, what <laughs> signs do you look for? What are you seeing in a woman to 
to be able to recognize maybe when they are in early labor? Because if I guess if you could explain that, then women might be able to see that within themselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. So the number one thing is your body language. So like I said, a woman who is um, in early labor is still able to um, chat to you. They're able to, um, you know, focus on other things so they can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I think I'm getting one, you know. Um, And generally they have an appetite, so they're still quite hungry. Um, And they're generally still, like, they're still themselves. So they're still able to laugh and chat and engage and, um, you know, versus somebody in active labour. And there's different, like, you know, there's some noises you hear and you're like, get in the car. Or don't get in the car, call an ambulance, but that's very rare. But, you know, active labour, like I said, if you and partners are so good at spotting this. So if your partner is labouring and she has gone from being able to chat to you, you know, engage in some light conversation and now she each contraction is coming like a wave, so there's a clear peak and then it, it kind of dissipates. And during those, those times, she's putting her head down. She's usually like holding something to kind of like, you know, whether it's the kitchen bench or the back of the bed, just to kind of steady herself. And often you'll see that women instinctively sway their hips. So they will just, they'll just want to move. And it's so hilarious to me when I see women in labor in the movies flat on their back, because I'm like, you, good luck. Sorry, but try and get a woman who's in active labor to lay on her back. Unless, unless she has an epidural, it's not happening. So Hollywood has a lot to answer for. Oh, no wonder we're all so confused. Quite truly. And, you know, you'll instinctively want to move your body and that's so good. And, yeah, so you'll be putting your head down. And then I guess some women vocalise. So, once again, it's not this high-pitched frantic scream that we see in the movies. It's very rare to hear that in the birth suite. You're, You're more looking for, like, low guttural groans and moans and, like, almost cow mooing for lack of better comparison but it is very primal um and then I guess right up until the point where like you know if we hear someone grunting on the phone or like a bearing down noise um and I'm not going to do it for the sake of the listeners <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's very very guttural yeah um and that is when or like you know you'll hear it it's a straining noise um and that is when I think oh okay there's a baby pushing down on on her pelvic floor and she's getting that that reflex to really bear down so they're the kind of things we look for and quite truly like if I'm on the you know if I pick up the assessment center phone and it's like Hi, it's Laura speaking. Um, I'm in really, really good labour. The contractions are coming really quickly and I can keep you on the phone for sort of five minutes. I'm like, great, Laura, like what number baby is this? Like where do you live close to the hospital, blah, 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 and I'm asking you all these questions. If five minutes ticks by and you've been able to chat to me as sprightly as you have been, then I know, and, I'm, you know, I think it's important to point out we're not trying to hold you off. for for lack of wanting to care for you. But we know that your oxytocin has a long way to go, that your your body and your mind needs to be reserving that energy. So we're going to say to you, if that's the case, look, um, I think you should stay at home. Sounds like you're doing really well Um, because you are, you know, you're excited and it might just be starting, but like grab a heat pack, take some Panadol, jump in the shower, um, try to have a sleep if you can. 
And then versus you might call back a few hours later or maybe it's your hubby on the phone and, and he's like, I can't get her off her hands and knees in the shower and we can hear you moaning in the background. We're like, okay, come in. <laughs> so that's sort of what we're looking for. Um, and certainly I always say to people like, don't get me wrong, if you something in your heart of hearts is telling you your gut saying, look, something's not quite right, I just feel like I want to come to hospital and get a checkup honor that feeling mm. you do not have to listen to what you're being told but it's just to kind of plant the seed that if you do get encouraged to stay at home it's not because we're trying to keep you yes. away it's because we're trying to support the process and protect you um, from that <clears throat> sorry unnecessary intervention that we chatted about earlier yeah and I love that because rather than feeling dismissed you realize that no they're actually trying to help me out because they yeah. know the benefits of laboring in early labor at home for as long as possible I love that and so let's go back to the environment at home so you mentioned earlier mm. about feeling safe and how that's really important to lower the adrenaline to up the oxytocin is the idea then that once you get to that regular contraction maybe four centimeter active labor stage is the idea then that even if you get in the car there's bright lights you know your oxytocin dips that you're far enough along that it really shouldn't hamper you too much is that yeah basically so you know we we do have have periods of labor where we can absolutely scare it off for good and it might take quite a number of hours to come back and that that's that sort of zero to four centimeter mark um, once we get to that rhythmic um, contractions and we're talking about sort of contractions that last sort of 45 to 60 seconds for a good hour um, and each one is uniform in length and strength. So not like early labour where you might have a really strong one and you might think, oh, that was a really intense one. Wow, that really took my breath away. But then the next couple are kind of so-so. Um, the Once they're rhythmic and uniform, then it's unlikely that your labour is going to suddenly stall. Mm. We can see a drop-off and that is just often the result of jumping in the car and your body has a temporary, like, pullback. But we can do things with the environment to coax them back and say, hey, you're actually really safe. And I sort of use the analogy of, like, if you've ever been around animals does your animal ever sit in the living, middle of the living room or the middle of the street in midday and give birth to to their um, their puppies or their kittens? No, they disappear into the darkest, most private corner of the house. You can't find them for days. You're like, what is going on with this little, you know? And then you find them amongst all their little babies. And it's we are animals at the end of the day and our brain cannot just birth in in you know bright lights and and um the, the prying eyes of lots of strangers um you might have heard midwives say like what gets the baby in gets the baby out yes, <laughs> and yeah. that's yeah and that's just saying that like in order to have those intimate moments that create babies your body requires the same level of um privacy and intimacy as you know as that time so what you can do and i don't know if this is where you were leading me laura but when you get to the hospital, you can say, you know, can we have an hour on our own? When you get into the room, once they've kind of checked your baby's heartbeat and taken a history and just making sure that you and, you and your puppy are okay, um, turn off the lights. Don't, you know, don't lie flat on your back on the bed. Get out the fit ball or whatever you were doing at home. Maybe it's jumping back in the shower. Um, some people use aromatherapy as a way to um, trigger sensory um, familiarity if you've been using them at home. Um, 
other people bring in a pillow from home and, and will kind of like lean over the bed and kind of push their head into the pillow and take some big deep breaths because it's cozy. It smells like your bed and, you know, you're feeling really comfy. And just let your body come back. So let, let your contractions come back. Do some positive visualisations. You don't have to to kind of just be like, oh, okay, it stopped, you know. Uh, you know, I might need a drip or I might need um, some intervention. You can give your body an hour or two and chances are within an hour of just like having your partner close, doing some kind of relaxation, your body will go, okay, cool. I trust that this is a safe place to meet, um, mm. meet our little one and, and they will come back and they'll start building back up again, which is a good thing. I love that. That's a really practical thing to say. Give yourself an hour to mm-hmm. remind yourself this is a safe environment rather than expecting contractions to just pick up where they left off. Acknowledging that your body is trying to suss it out, trying to work out, yeah. can I birth here, can I not? I'm just wondering, a, a lot of women I think would be hesitant to leave it too late at home because they're scared yeah. about having a baby in the car or you hear about horror stories about women just not coping with the car ride. Do you have any tips for managing that car ride so that it is more comfortable? I know myself, I had about a 10 minute car ride and I was in very early labor and it was awful. So I have no idea how women do it at you know, four or five centimeters. Do you have any tips for the car ride? Yeah. So I think have, um, if you've been using a TENS, keep that TENS on for the car ride. Um, some women put sunglasses on, um, because they feel really, uh, observed and that can, and give you a shot of adrenaline and it all starts to feel really, really hard. So some people put like big sunnies on tens headphones in so that you can continue listening to whatever you were listening to at home, whether that's, you know, your favorite Spotify playlist or some meditation and relaxation, um, have some heat packs in the car as well. So, you know, pop your tens on, put a heat pack on, sit in the back so that, I mean, we've got to be careful with seatbelts and things, but you, at least you can kind of like rock and you're not sitting in like a little yeah. chair. Um, it's a really tricky one because it's one of those things that's unavoidable for many, many people that, that transition in, but also, I guess, tell yourself the whole time, I can do this. I can Mm. do this. I can do this. And in 10 minutes or 15 minutes, I'm going to be able to get up and walk again. Um, and just kind of see how you go, but yeah, it can be really challenging and definitely something that is unfortunately just an aspect of labor that that is that catch 22 that stay at home for as long as you can. Um, and then kind of have 10 minutes of really, Oh, I'm sitting on my bum and this is sore and I just want to move. Um, but if you can have some tools in the car, that's what I would say. I think that's great advice. Cause I imagine that's what a lot of women are worried about is leaving it too late and being uncomfortable. So yeah. thank you for that. Hey mamas, Laura here, and I so hope you got a lot out of that episode. I think it is such an important reminder, especially for first-time mamas, that labor can be a marathon and it's best not to jump the gun too early and use up all your energy straight away. And I love Beth's advice around ignoring it until you can't and how you will definitely know when you've hit active labor because the patterns of your surges will be very rhythmic and building in intensity and you may be starting to find that you can't speak or communicate like you usually would. Now, if you'd like to learn more from Beth, you can find her on Instagram at birthwithbeth.com. 
And I would love to hear from you over on my socials at PhysioLaura and let me know whether you learned anything new from this episode today. Now, in the next few episodes of this Ask the Midwife series, we will be chatting with Beth about how to create a beautiful environment within the hospital setting, questions to ask your care provider to make sure you are fully informed, how to respectfully navigate birth interventions that may be presented to you, the things to consider when setting up a postpartum support plan and the practical steps you should take to make sure you're not overwhelmed after birth, questions to ask and preferences to know about when it comes to C-section birth, inductions and vaginal examinations and the pros and cons of both and so much more. Now, if you haven't already, just subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss any of these upcoming episodes in this amazing series. And if you love today's episode and you want to watch the next five episodes in this Ask the Midwife series, you can find this entire series along with all our other podcast series live right now inside the Pregnancy Posse. So for most series of the podcast, we also record exclusive bonus content for Pregnancy Posse members only. And in the bonus member only episode for this Ask the Midwife series, Beth talks us through her top three essential items to pack in your hospital bag, ways in which your partner can best support you during birth, managing a posterior labor and the lowdown on epidurals. Inside the Pregnancy Posse, you'll also find weekly guided pregnancy workouts, an extensive resources library on birth preparation, pelvic floor exercises, and managing those pesky pregnancy aches and pains, plus a wonderful community forum and weekly Q&A sessions with myself. Now, I would love to help you have a wonderful pregnancy, birth, and postnatal experience. So just visit thatpregnancyposse.com to see what the Pregnancy Posse is all about and to trial it for seven days. I will catch you soon for episode two in this six-part Ask the Midwife series, where we'll be chatting about how to set up your hospital environment to encourage the oxytocin hormone to flow, the importance of educating your partners on the birth process, and the reality of bed flow and shared rooms in the hospital system. Until then, mummers, sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes and enjoy the incredible journey that is pregnancy.